everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and I am so glad that you found us. Welcome back. If you are an old friend and if you're new, thank you so much for joining us. And thank the people who told you about our podcast. I think you'll really enjoy it. We have a wonderful topic that I am going to talk to you about today. But before I get started, I was thinking this morning about how cool it is this time of year that we are enjoying all the benefits, just reaping all the benefits of all of the hours of practice that our boys have done with their music and their sports. And you know, this time of year is really fun to go to the recitals and just sort of let them also look back and see what they've accomplished. So when you are working on a screen strong lifestyle, like we are over here, it's a little bit of the pay now or pay later mentality. And it's kind of tough when your kids are young and when they are in middle school to make it through all those lessons. But let me encourage you and let me just tell you that it is so worth it. Like I said, it really hit me this morning how much they enjoy all these activities that they do. And, you know, they don't feel overscheduled. Of course, they are very busy, but it's really fun to be in this season of their teenage years where they are really, really enjoying the benefits of all that hard work. So I just want to encourage you that if you do have kids that are in any type of music or sports, hang in there. If this is the year that you go to the recital and you just wonder what the heck are you paying these lessons (laughs) for, don't be discouraged. It gets better. It gets more fun but you have to have a lot of grit and you have to hang in there. And we are just really, really enjoying it now. And we're really going to miss it when they graduate and go to college. And we're going to miss going to all these things. So again, I just want to encourage you, it's worth it. So the topic for today, I have just been wanting to talk about this topic for such a long time because it's one of the most common hangups parents have when they begin to make their decisions around screen time. In fact, when we are out and about and I'm out doing workshops in live audiences, this is probably one of the biggest questions that we get. We hear myths a lot. And, and when we first hear them, we don't really think they're myths, but, but this one is a myth. It's, it's definitely a myth and it's called the forbidden fruit myth. Let's just meet the forbidden fruit myth. That's our guest. The myth goes like this. If I ban screens now, my kids will binge and go crazy later when they get to college. So based on that idea, when something is forbidden, it becomes infinitely appealing. It's a big parent fear that when you ban something, your child will crave it and want it even more. So if I forbid screens, my child will binge on them later, meaning that they will use it much more later than they're even using it now because I'm, you know, forbidding it. So I need to give it to them now so they won't care about it so much and they won't use it too much later. So stop and think about that just for a second. The emotional side of this myth is driven out of fear. 
right? If I don't give in now, it will be worse later. Now, now we don't know really in the future what's going to happen, but, but we are fearful about it. We don't want to do anything now that's going to hurt our kids later. I mean, all parents are worried about doing something now that will hurt our kids in the future. This is why we protect them and do a lot of things that we do to get them to eat right and go to the right schools and read and study and do all these things. So it's very normal to think that, but if you stop for just a second and think, okay, well, we're going to start worrying now about them doing something too much later by giving them that thing that we don't want them to do later. Now, I might've invented this myth. So I'll actually just apologize to the world out there. If it came from me, I'm so sorry, because I remember so distinctly believing this myth. Oh, you have to give them video games now, because if you don't, it's going to become the forbidden fruit and they're going to want it later. And I really thought that the more you push back on something, the more your teens will want it. Not really sure where I got that idea. Like I said, maybe I invented it. I don't know. This is many years ago, but maybe I heard it from some friends. I mean, it's easy to believe because it's such a scary thing and, and it's super easy to believe scary things. If I don't do something now, I will ruin his life forever. So that was kind of easy to believe. So I thought that if I could just let him play his video games, he would get it out of his system. I remember thinking so clearly that if I could just let him play a bunch now that he would outgrow it. But I do distinctly remember thinking that if Adam could just get it out of his system, then he would have enough. We think that teens will say something like if my parent, or maybe they're thinking something like if my parents say no, then I need to rebel and do the opposite. And I need to do it a lot. So if they don't let me do drugs and alcohol and sex and porn and video games and social media, then I'm going to binge as soon as I can. I think that's what we think that they're thinking. Everybody has a story of the child they know who was raised in a strict home who went off the deep end. And we love those stories because they support our bias and they confirm what we really want to do, which is to give into video games and social media because it takes a lot of energy to go against the crowd. So we all think, oh, no, 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 wait, I have to give in because you know what? I know somebody. In fact, it was my friend's son or my friend's daughter who They did not let her have something, and then she went to college, and she went nuts when she went to college. I mean, we hear this story all the time. Even even one of the last workshops I did, that was the question. The question was something like, well, Melanie, I know a family who didn't let their kids have this type of technology, and then they went crazy and started taking naked pictures of themselves when they went to college. So it's out there. I mean, the myth is out there. But today, we're going to kind of unpack why it's a myth. What is the parent rationale behind the forbidden fruit myth? The idea goes like this. You let them do things like drink and play video games or get on social media and watch porn and do all this stuff now. If you do this all now, it will somehow make it less later. We let them do these things now so they won't think it's a big deal. We let them do these things now so they won't, these things won't be novel anymore. We're trying to take the novelty away. We let them do these things now so they will just get it out of their system. And then we let them do these things now like 
porn, for example. So you can just diffuse it and make it less appealing. And I hear parents say this a lot. I want their first porn experience to be under our home. So this is sort of the same, along the same line, the forbidden fruit myth. We want them to do it so I can deal with it now so they won't go crazy later. But let me give you some logic because I was super emotional when I was, I mean, I realize now, I didn't realize it then, but I, I think all of my parenting back when we were raising Adam, and for those of y'all, of course, who know, we raised a, a dependent gamer who turned into an, an addicted gamer who went to college and dropped out of college because of his gaming. So just in case you're new and you didn't know that, this is the experience. So let me just give you some logical facts to consider. Before we talk about the science, because you know I'm going to have to talk about the science, let's talk about the elephant in the room. The forbidden fruit myth, it really centers around some exaggeration. First of all, even to say that video games and social media are forbidden in our culture, it's just a little bit of an exaggeration. You can't even forbid this stuff in your house, right? Because everything, I mean, we have screens everywhere. So no one is banning screens. And here at Screen Strong, we're certainly not banning screens and we're not forbidding screens. And we're, we're you know, screens are not forbidden in our culture, even in low-tech homes, by the time a child is 10 years old, they've had thousands of hours on TV and parents' iPads and school screens and laptops and parents' smartphones. And so really, it's not forbidden. We have a game-free home now, but my kids know plenty about video games. They also know about drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography. And we, we, we don't ban these things. Our values just don't support them. We don't root for these things and we're not fans of these things and this is not our team culture and we're the parents and we decide what our culture is. And so using emotional words to get parents to get more emotional about this issue just to win an argument is really frustrating for me. I, I hear it a lot. Uh, oh my goodness, if I could only tell you in the last eight years how many times I've heard this. And then I read this a lot in different articles and blogs and I don't think people mean to be so emotional, but they use words like forbidden, banning, prohibit. These are all exaggerated words that make parents feel terrible because we don't want to be that unreasonable parent who bans something from their child, right? You want to give them everything. So do I. We don't want to ban and prohibit and forbid. But we hear that when parents panic, and tip the scales toward boundaries, you know, our bonding suffers. So all this banning, we just need to, we just need to stop. But screen strong families don't ban anything. The decisions to give your child the freedom of living smartphone free, more or less, or game free through adolescence is the most positive life choice. It's not a negative prohibition. All right, I just had to get that little elephant out of the room. So the forbidden fruit is, you know, that we're banning things and we're prohibiting and our kids are going to binge and go crazy later because they're going to rebel. And so we've already established now, you know what? I don't know. We're not really banning. That's such a, that's just such a sad word to use. <laughs> so there's two things about brain science that I want to talk to you about that have a whole lot to do with this myth. The first thing is that activities your child does will shape their brains. The activities your child does, just like Andrew and Evan are in all their music recitals, those activities have shaped their brains. Those activities have reinforced neuronal pathways, making them better at those activities. And they actually become habits. These things that are reinforcing these neuronal pathways in our kids' brains, whatever activity it is, whether it's music or sports or video games or social media or or reading, all these things are going to, these activities are going to shape our kids' brains. 
And it will cause habits in childhood that are very hard to break. They will get more comfortable at those activities. It will be harder to stop those activities. They will become sort of dependent on those activities. And if they're bad or addictive activities, they can actually become addicted to those activities. So that's the first thing. Those activities are going to shape your child's brain. The second thing is the teen brain in particular is a very interesting thing. The limbic system is developing before the judgment center. So that means that the emotion center in the emotional part of the brain is actually developing before the judgment area of the brain. So we like to say that, you know, they have all accelerator and no brakes. And that's part of the problem with this myth of, Um, thinking that you have to give your kids everything now so they won't binge and go crazy later. Their brains are not ready for that. They have a high sensitivity to dopamine. They actually have more dopamine receptors during the teen years than than adults have. And and they consistently can't make good judgments. Now, I'm not not saying every now and then they can make good judgments. And so this really throws us and we think our kid is so mature. But consistently they can't do it. It's just, it's not consistent yet. They cannot understand future consequences. In our house, we like to say things like, you can't play the tape forward. That means I already know a little bit about what's going to happen if you do A, B, or C. So why don't you listen to me just for a second? Because your, your brain isn't working like that yet. They can't control impulses to dive into novelty. Now they're working on it and they're working on their impulse control, but it's not there yet. So they constantly are seeking novelty and risk. And we know that habits are built when the brain is still developing. It's like handprints and wet cement. It'll eventually dry and those cute little handprints that you have out on your sidewalk when they poured that sidewalk are still there. They're going to harden and they're going to be there. So all of these habits that your child does during adolescence will be pretty permanent. So the summary of the science, your child will get better at what he does and what he practices. So... The moral of the story is that you should allow what you want him to get better at. So if you want him to get better at video games and be able to play a lot of video games when he goes to college, then he needs to be doing a lot of video games right now. If you want him to get better at anything else like reading and music and sports and other things, then we want to do a lot of those things now. So we know that early exposure is dangerous because your child's activities greatly shape their young brain. If you let him play video games once a week or every day, he will get better at that and develop a habit and he'll keep playing in college. Addictive activities are really hard to parent around. If you let him drink and do drugs and watch porn, he'll do those things too because he'll kind of get used to it. So instead of thinking that they'll do it less, they actually do it more. Okay, we talked about the elephant in the room and we talked about the science. Now I want to talk about just a little more logic. And I want you to think about if you were placing a bet. So who has the higher chance of using video games and social media in college? Who, who has a higher chance? Would it be the teen who's been gaming since middle school and quitting his other activities? Would it be the boy who's allowed to game out of control in high school? Will he be that teen who games a lot in college? What about the girl who's building her identity on social media now? Will she do that more later in college? If you were betting, I would put my money on those scenarios. 
If you are looking for someone who is going to binge and use a lot of screens in college, it will be the kids who are using it now. The middle school boy who's quitting other activities for his game, the high school teen who's gaming so much all through high school that he's staying up at night even after you go to bed, and and the high school girl who's spending nine hours on social media. My son was allowed to play video games all through middle school and high school, and it was not forbidden. We didn't forbid it. I thought he was getting smarter, and I thought it was fine. And of course, until he got to high school and we started crashing and burning in the social department there, but it wasn't forbidden. But he was the one who binged all through his first year of college. And as you know, he dropped out. Final bit of logic, another, another point. Logic says that when you have low standards, you have a low performing team. So think about this for a minute. Would a first place college basketball coach or baseball coach or football coach give his team drugs just just once a week so they won't binge on the weekend? How about let's all of you porn together during the week here just, just, just so you won't be tempted to do it too much this weekend? Science really does prove the forbidden fruit myth is a myth. And I, I just pulled my, one of my favorite books off the shelf, The Collapse of Parenting by Leonard Sachs. He's a MD. And if y'all don't know about this book, this is a fabulous book to get. But I'm just going to read you what Dr. Sachs says about this issue of the forbidden fruit myth. He said, and this is on page 132, if you have the book, if you instill habits of good behavior and self-control in your son or daughter throughout childhood and adolescence, then you have improved the odds that your child will continue to do the right thing after leaving home. You're improving the odds. That sounds good enough for me. And, but then he says, if you give them all these things and, and just turn over, you know, all the different screens and the video games and the social media, then the odds are not good that when they arrive at college, that they will say, quote, behold, my peers are spending much time on social media sites and playing video games, but I will nevertheless turn over a new leaf and become a more virtuous person, end quote. That is not very likely, he says. Behavior becomes identity. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Dr. Sachs goes on here and he says, you teach virtue by requiring children to behave virtuously. In other words, you ask them to pretend that they are virtuous before they really are. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Sachs, for writing this book. When I read this years ago, I thought, oh my goodness, this makes so much sense. So let's talk about how you bust the forbidden fruit myth. How do you get past this? First of all, you get educated on the science and a good place to start is our new course, our Kids Brains and Screens and Solution course. So be sure and check that out on our website. You really do have to move away from the emotion of this myth and the fear of this myth and 
put your biases and your blind spots aside and just get the science and understand the brain science behind the forbidden fruit myth. The second thing is that your family gets to determine what fits on your list of what you value. Actually, you, the parents, get to decide this. So what's on your list? What are the things that you can negotiate with your kids and what are the things that are non-negotiable? This is a really good way to look at it. And we have this information in our course as well. So on your list for the negotiable things are things like you know, dating and jobs and curfews and haircuts and what they're going to wear. And you can negotiate these things, but there's certain things that are not negotiable. Drugs, porn, shoplifting, you know, would it be okay for your kids just to do a little bit of shoplifting? I don't think so. So we're not going to put that on our list. Are we banning shoplifting? I guess, but that's not the spirit in our home. We don't go around banning things. We just don't do things that we don't value. The second thing is that you've got to remove the stigma. You have to talk about the topics of the things that you don't value, like drugs and alcohol and video games and social media and porn and all these things that that we talk about when we talk about the forbidden fruit. And you have to take the forbidden feeling out of it. It's not that it's forbidden. It's just not our choice. We just don't do it. We put these topics on the table. We put them out in the open so we can shed light on them because when you shed light in these dark places... Your kids will not feel like you are forbidding anything. It is a choice. These things are not helpful. They're not good. They're not really falling in line at all with our values, and they're not helping you be a better person. So you've got to remove the stigma of the, quote, forbidden things in our culture. Again, it's not that you're accepting them. You're just removing the stigma. Teenagers desperately need their parents to do this. Uh, I think a lot of times the forbidden fruit myth gets a lot of fuel Because I think maybe people think that parents say no to things without really explaining why, and then it it just doesn't work. And I will hand it to you. That kind of thing will cause rebellion. So the point here is to remove the stigma and explain the reasons. Explain your family game plan. Have them watch a couple movies like The Social Dilemma. Read some books on gaming or social media and smartphones. Have them go to our website. Look at our course. But you want to be sure that your kids know that you care about them and that you are setting good boundaries. You're not banning anything in such a negative way. When you are explaining these reasons and when you are having these conversations, you want to have a good time. You want to also play together with your kids, spend time together so they will learn to trust you. We know from the research that when you explain to a teenager why alcohol, for example, is bad for them, those conversations will not hold any weight if you're still allowing alcohol. So these are just the studies and the research that show why it's so important to, while you're being strict with your parenting skills, that you also are very warm and open and that you have lots of communication around these harder issues. So the next thing is to help your children explore healthy, fun activities when they are young. You have to replace activities that you don't desire with activities that you do desire. And when your child starts to explore healthy, fun activities when they're young, then you will be fine when they are teenagers. Their brains will be shaped around those activities and they will love those things. In the beginning, when they're little, sometimes it feels like you do have to kind of force them to try new activities, and that's okay. 
And we talk about this a lot in the course in the solution part. But then when they do stick with it, you will reap the benefits later, just like I talked about in the beginning. We are reaping so many benefits now. It is so worth it. The final thing I want to talk about when we're talking about how you bust the forbidden fruit myth is to think about it in a different way. Many kids report that they love not being tied down to a phone and that their family is much closer because of it. There's no spirit of living under restrictions in the screen strong life. There's only a spirit of freedom and advantages. So you have to look at this forbidden fruit myth in a little bit different light. I hope some of these things these things today that we talked about helps you do that. Do not parent out of fear of the forbidden fruit for what might happen later. There are no guarantees, but the chances are much higher that your child will not binge and go crazy if you fill their life with positive things and activities now, including, like I said, lots of time with you. I asked one of my young sons when they were even younger, I think they were in fifth grade. I asked them a question one day because I had been out at a workshop and this question comes up again. You know, it comes up, I think every single outing, I think it comes up. So I came home and I thought, you know what? I'm going to ask one of my fifth graders what they think. And I said, if you don't play video games now, will you binge and go crazy in college? Will you want to play a lot when you get in college? Are you going to be mad at your parents? And I'm like asking him this. And he really thought about it for like a minute. I remember him just looking and thinking. And he said, Mom, I don't think that I will binge in college because I won't be any good at video games. (laughs) I thought that was so funny. And that was such the right answer. At the time, he said, you know what I'm going to binge on? I'm going to binge on baseball (laughs) because we were doing a lot of baseball at the time and we still are. So we have a game-free home, but my kids know plenty about video games. They also know a lot about drugs and alcohol and sex and pornography. And we have a spirit of really supporting the values that we believe in And we don't just support them with our words, our actions. We we try to support them with our actions and we're not a perfect family, but we do have the screen thing figured out. We don't root for screens in our house. And our team culture in our home is just built around different things. We are much happier now than we have ever been. And I want to encourage you to stand firm today and delay those toxic screen activities that are hurting your kids. And do not worry that if you delay them now, that your kids are going to binge and go crazy later. You are going to educate your kids and they don't need to read tons of books. They just need to know some of the basics around it. And you're going to actually do more fun things with your kids. You're going to talk about these issues. You're going to talk about why video games and social media is just too much for them. It's not going to be forbidden in the sense that nobody knows about it and it's taboo and nobody talks about it. You're going to plenty have plenty of conversations about it, but then you are going to do what's best for the present and not fear the future. And trust me on this and trust other parents, many other parents who have gone ahead of you. You will make some hard choices now to benefit your kids down the line. 
And when you get pushback from friends who are telling you that you are hurting your kids by not allowing toxic screens now, even in little doses, you know better. Send them to our course, suggest a book for them to read, give them this podcast link, but don't try to argue with them. It's really tough when you're out there and your friends are judging you and they're saying, oh, your kids are going to binge and go crazy if you don't give them games now. What you can say is you know someone, and you can say you know me, you know someone who did just that, who allowed their child to play lots of video games all through high school, and he did binge and go crazy in college. And if they don't back down after just a few comments, like I said, do not try to argue with them. Just say this. For our family, we just don't put a lot of value on those things right now. But thank you for sharing and move on. It works every time. By the way, that little comment, thank you for sharing. It's very, very helpful. My final word of encouragement and advice to you today is don't get in arguments with other people about things that you know in your heart you need to do for your family. You can come to Screen Strong, come to our community, come to our Facebook community as well as start creating your own group just in your own community, wherever you are. Our course is designed to help you start a small group and and have something to guide you through the discussion. You know in your heart what you want, and we are here to support you and help you every step of the way. So I want to continue talking about this topic. So what I want you to do is email us at team at Screen Strong. Any more questions that you have about this topic of the myth of the forbidden fruit. If I don't give my kids screens now, they're going to bend to go crazy later. I know as I've been talking right now that you've had some questions pop up in your head. So please write them down even right now. Just go type them up and send them to us at Team Screen Strong and I will address them again. I love this topic so much. I love actually talking about these myths so much because I believed every single one of them. And I'm still not sure that I didn't invent them years ago. So again, I apologize for inventing any myth out there that might be hanging out there, or at least I believe them all. And I do want to just encourage you to stay tough on this and know that you are going to reap the benefits that we have reaped and that many, many families have reaped by actually being screen strong and not allowing everything to come into our house. So in summary, let's just go over a quick list of take-home points for you today. Number one, your kids' brains are being shaped by every activity they do now. This greatly affects the habits and activities that they will do later. Number two, trust your gut instincts. Delay. Do not give something that you think is not good for your kids now just because they may binge later when they are older. Number three, without boundaries, bonding suffers. Your kids need you to lead them well now. If you don't, someone else will. Number four, remember what Dr. Sachs says, virtue begets virtue. Number five, remove the stigma in your home around toxic tech. Do this by talking about it a lot and diffusing the novelty around it. Number six, 
Take the emotion out of this myth and do not get into debates with your friends and family over it. Science says that strict but loving parenting is best. Do not get into arguments. Just follow your heart and do what you know is the best thing for your kids. Number seven, smile and smile a lot and have fun with your kids. Allow the activities that will impress your values on their heart and create fond memories of growing up in your home. You get to decide what your story is right now, and you will never regret delaying addictive screens. I hope you all enjoyed listening today. Our Kids Brains and Screens course is available, so go to the website and check it out. It is fabulous, I will say. It has we have taken lots and lots of material and put it all under one roof to make it really easy for you to get educated. So start planning right now a small group. So your small group can get together and y'all can do the course together and you can start creating your own tribe and your own village around this. Try out the 30-day digital detox for your kids so you can start getting them back on track. Thousands of people have done this. It's really not hard once you get started. And of course, join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group. Make sure that you jump in there. You will find support from other parents just like you. We do love to promote the Gab phone because we believe that is a good substitute for a smartphone during the adolescent years. And you can go to our site to get more information about that and use our code STRONG to get a discount. So what's your homework today? Share this podcast with five friends and let's get the word out. We can't do it. We cannot spread this mission and this message without your support. Remember, we've got your back and we are here to help you. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.